If you're like most people, you might be wondering how other people foster love and great sex. Today, I'm so excited to interview someone who's been married for 40 years and learn about the secrets that have kept her love and sex life strong. And yep, she's going to talk about her sex life. Stay tuned for a great episode. Are you ready to cut through the BS and get down to the truth about sex and love? Welcome to The Great Sex Podcast. I'm Dr. Heather England, a certified sex therapist and relationship expert. Join me for candid conversations that address what you truly want to know and answer your burning questions. I want to empower you to ignite your love and sex life. Today, I have a special guest on my podcast. I have Laurel McCark. Now, one of the reasons I am so excited that Laurel's here is part of this podcast journey for me includes this goal to help everyone understand that what they think and feel about sex is pretty typical, that there's not something wrong with them. And so it's been a really important thing for me to find everyday people that are willing to come on the podcast and talk about their relationships and what helped their relationships be successful. And then if they're comfortable to talk about their relationship with sex. It's not that I wanna ask people the nitty gritty details of their sex lives, but I'm really curious about how sex has evolved for people over the course of their lives and how they've managed to keep it a priority. So I'm so excited that Laurel is here because she has a wonderful relationship with her husband and she I is do. fun. <laughs> and she is fun and she is positive and she is direct and she's somebody I know you're just going to absolutely love listening to. So welcome, 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 Laurel. Thank you, Dr. Heather England. It's a I'm pleasure so to be here. Yeah. So, I mean, what a, what a fun way to start the day, talking about exactly. sex. Exactly. <laughs> talking about love and relationships and sex. Yes. What a great way. I, I think there's probably some better ways we could start it, right? We could actually be doing some of those things, but hey, no. Yeah, bye. <laughs> <laughs> come back, come back. All right, let me read your bio so everyone knows all about the amazing you. So Laurel is an award-winning multi-genre author and graduated from West Point in 1983 in the fourth class that had women. So she is a pioneer in many, many ways. She was raised near Boston and somehow find, found her way to the breathtaking elevation of Colorado's Rocky Mountains, where she lives and laughs and publishes books and podcasts. She writes about life, real and imagined, and hosts her own podcast called Alligator Preserves. What an interesting name. She's been <laughs> married story. to the love of her life for 40 years, and she has two wonderful sons. And I will include links in the show notes to all of the social media for Laurel and to her books that she's written and to her website, the podcast. Yeah. So welcome, welcome again. You're welcome. I'm all over the place, aren't I? You've done a lot of things, yeah. right? So how about we start with you sharing with the audience just a little about you and your philosophy in life and, you know, what got you to where you're at? Well, my philosophy of life is that a life without challenge is is boring, right? I mean, that's part of the reason I ended up going to West Point. I started at Smith College 
thinking that I needed a big change from high school, right? Let's go to an all-women's college. And <laughs> after after three semesters there, three wonderful semesters where I got to know myself a little bit better, I decided that uh, I needed a bigger challenge. And I had just heard about West Point and I thought, wow, there's no place in the world that would challenge me physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, all the lees. Yes. And so I decided to go there and that was that's where I met Mike, the uh, of my life. Yeah. That is so cool. So you met him at West Point. I did. We were the same class. I didn't know him. I met him sophomore year on the way to the class after after lunch and another friend introduced us and I, I looked at him. I said, hey, and he looked at me and that was that. Two years later, because he was in a different company, two years later, he was the battalion commander and I was the battalion supply officer. So we had to sit at the same table for dining, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, first semester of senior year at West Point. That's where I really got to know him. I was dating yeah. someone else at the time. <laughs> and I started thinking, wow, this this Mike guy is, he's a, he's something, else. he's a challenge. And that's what I needed. We didn't you start got dating it. Yeah, we didn't start dating until, you know, I ditched the other guy. And uh, it was second semester of senior year. He drove his 280Z from California to Massachusetts to pick me up to bring me back to West Point. We started dating then. And so we already knew each other as friends. And, you know, we had already had that kind of non-sexual getting to know one another, right? And I just grew to really like what he stood for. And uh, yeah, he, he, he was a challenge. And I knew that I needed that. Wow. Yeah. That's incredibly to, incredible to be that self-aware, you know, at that age. So many people, you know, when they meet the love of their life in their 20s, it doesn't always work out, right? There's a lot of high divorce rate. And I'm always intrigued that people have been able to grow with their partners, that they did such a good job choosing correctly the first time. And then they were able to grow with their partners throughout their entire lifespan. I think that's pretty incredible. And it's risky, right? I mean, you yeah. take a chance regardless of how much you think you might know about a person. Right. Oh, yeah. You you are jumping in and you're saying, all right, uh, this this is what I want and, you know, I'm, I'm going to make it work. Right. Right. But you never know no. completely about another person. No. Right. And, and, and that's, that's that well, it, oh, yeah, absolutely. That That's part of part of the deal. I love change. So being in the army was wonderful for me because you know you move every two three years and so you have to change you have to get to know people quickly and you know get into a new environment a new routine the whole thing and it and it keeps you I think it keeps you younger and more engaged and certainly more active either that or you you hide and you do nothing and I've never been a wallflower <laughs> no. I have to confess that Laurel and I met each other several years ago at a fellow West Pointers place in the Outer Banks. And this uh, other West Pointer is a phenomenal woman that really is really skilled at bringing different women together, different intelligent women that are very motivated and and really helps people create a community. And I think she created a, a community of us women. She and sure did. Can we say her name? Can we do a call out? Sure, let's call out to 
to Bonnie. She's awesome and we adore her. And yeah, yeah. So met, met so just, many cool women there. Oh, uh, yes. Through Bonnie. I mean, Bonnie has connected so many women together. And I love that Bonnie, you know, really, she lives her values and she's not afraid to stand for what she believes and share what she believes. And I, I really admire her for that. But when I met you in the Outer Banks, I was immediately attracted to your positivity to your just kind of joie de vivre, right? You were so vivacious. You were you were going to enjoy this one beautiful ride of life, right? You were going to make this life be great for yourself. And that's what I'm about as a coach and a therapist is I want to help people create the best lives for themselves because we got one chance at this, right? Right. And so that was the thing that really, really attracted me to you. So I'm really curious, like, how did you keep your relationship with Mike strong over an arc of 40 years of marriage? That's yeah. a long time. I'm sure there were ups and downs along the way. 40, 40 plus. I would say probably the only down we've had was when I wanted to divorce him um, that first year we were married. And <laughs> it, it was it was all because I was having my my company was having a party for me because I was I was uh, changing jobs. And we had it at our house. And we're not really drinkers. And my husband decided that he would uh, match some of the other ones at the party with drinking. And he ended up, uh, let's just say, down and out for the rest of the party. And I decided right then, and again, this is like first year of marriage. I had just got- You're like, what, to, 22? Uh, well, 24, because again, I went to college for a year oh, and a half. Right. And, that's right. And then waited a little bit. But I just decided, you know, Oh, I hate him. I can't believe he did that to me. This just is, is horrible. Now, of course, you know, by the time he woke up, he's like, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? <laughs> he had no idea. <laughs> anyway, we got over that really quickly. I mean, and other than that, I think the fact that we were friends first yeah. for so long without the hassle of expectations of the sexual part, you know, that gave us a really good basis for our relationship. And as I said, he's a challenge. He's educated. He's fit. He has very high standards for himself, which for me, I needed because, you know, part of the reason I went to West Point was because I was not really disciplined myself <laughs> and I I needed a kick in the butt. I really felt like I did. He does not ever need a kick in the butt. He is totally self-motivated in, wow. in all aspects. And he's a lifelong learner, which... I like to think I am as well, too, yeah. and that's part of that's part of change. I don't think you can grow if you don't continue to learn new things, experience new things. Mm -hmm. He's an outdoor fitness kind of guy. I mean, he would probably be fine living in a cave in one of these mountains here in Colorado. <laughs> uh, so we're we're outdoors a lot. We're you know just pushing ourselves together. And you know, I I hear in all of that Laurel respect. I hear you yes. have so much respect for your husband and who he is as a person. Yes, and that's huge. I have met people who have frankly talked poorly of their partners. Right. And never in 40 years have I talked poorly of Mike? Has he talked poorly of me? Wow. A and 
I, that that would be a deal breaker. Yeah, frankly, I mean we, you and we respect one another for our differences too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't do everything he does. He doesn't do everything I do. We have our own unique interests, which again, you know, you bring to the table at the end of the day or whatever, and you share early on in our marriage. Again, he's really fit and running and and biking and all that. And and I remember when he he got me he got his and her mountain bikes, right? And I didn't really grow up doing any of that stuff. So he's like, follow me and do what I do. And he goes off on his mountain bike and I go off and follow him and we're going down this trail and I'm hanging on and I'm hanging on and all of a sudden he disappears around this corner. He's gone and I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, that's a big turn. And so I turn the handlebars and fly over the handlebars and I end up laying in what was really like a strawberry patch. But here I'm thinking, where is he? He's gone, you know? <laughs> so he came back and I'm like, you left me for, you know, for the bears <laughs> in a strawberry patch in California, which was silly. But at that point, I, I kind of decided, you know, if we're going to do things together, we might need to readjust. We might need to say, okay, we're going to go out for half an hour. You go at your pace. I'll go at my pace. And at the half an hour point, we turn around. Or maybe you go out back and check on me every once in a while, but I can't keep up with you. And so I'm not going to keep up with you. And so yeah, I, I guess yeah. what that came down to was, you know, the ability to communicate. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you guys are really good at communicating. I heard something else that you said a minute ago that I think is really, really important. And you said we have separate interests. Yeah. And a mistake so many people make is they get together. And when you first start dating someone, you're celebrating your similarities, right? It's like, ah, you like pistachio ice cream? Oh my gosh, too. That's our favorite. Bikes that, right? That's our yes. favorite. Oh, you like Journey? I love the band Journey too. And Pink Floyd. Oh my gosh, we are meant to be. And so what happens is as people celebrate their similarities, they don't, they don't continue to live their differences. So all of those little interests, those passions that kept them alive, they kind of start to not live those out. Unless they're like you and Mike, where they keep doing the things that brought them joy, where they're not afraid to have different interests because the mistake many couples make is then they stop having their different interests and they start spending all their time together doing the same things. So then it's not as interesting because you're not bringing in all this other vital energy that you get from your other interests back into the relationship. You each were your own people before you got together. You need to continue to be your own person, even as you grow the partnership. So I hear in your story, you respected so many things about Mike. You continued to live your interests, both of you. You weren't afraid to have different interests. And yet you were able to grow alongside each other through these 40 plus years. And that's pretty special. It's really special. And again, the idea of losing yourself in a relationship because you feel like you have to do everything that your partner's doing, that's just grounds for resentment to grow, right? Exactly. And I, I don't think you could be truly happy if you're if you give up what you love and what inspires and motivates you in order to please your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then I think you're not attractive to your partner. It, it, 
you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, your partner looks at you and they don't see somebody that has lived out their passions, right? They see somebody that needs them too much. It's kind of like, you know, a scuba diver. When you're scuba diving, you need your oxygen tank, right, Mm -hmm. to live. And for some people, their partner becomes their oxygen. Right. And the whole, the whole idea that, you know, you complete me. Right. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I never really got into that. You know, you embellish me, maybe. Right. You add right. to me, you enrich me. Yes. Yes. That's, I think those are much healthier ways to look at it because you completely means I can't live without you. Right. You're my oxygen. Right. Right. And, and you to be so needy. needy. You're right. Uh-huh. Neediness is, is, that puts way too much of a burden on the one needed. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And it makes you not be attractive over time because neediness is not a quality that is attractive in others. Right? Yeah. I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you said another thing that I really want to highlight too, because I think it's really, really important. You said you didn't talk badly about Mike Mm -hmm. and you've heard so many people really cut their spouses down and it's an unfortunate thing that I've seen many, many people do. And, and you know, there have been times I've fallen prey to if I'm in a, a rough patch with my husband, you know, and we've had a couple rough patches over the years where I feel not as in love with him as maybe I used to. I would take a step back when I would find myself judging him, like or criticizing him in my mind for something. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments when I would say, no, I love this man why do I love this man? And I would literally write down a list of the things I loved about my husband. And as I did that, I found all those other criticisms, resentments kind of waning away. And I was able to focus on all the wonderful qualities he has. Right. You know? I mean, I've, I've had people over the years say things like, you know, how, how do you put up with the fact that he, you know, might spend two hours out on a bike or, you know, doing these races or, or whatever, you know, that's a lot to put up with. And, and I think, well, he's keeping himself fit. Right. And he comes back and he's happy and, you know, talk about the love filled life and, and great sex podcast that you have. I mean, that's very attractive. And so right. when you know what your partner needs in order to feel happy themselves and you let them do what they need. I mean, that that's huge, right? He knows that I need time away to spend with girlfriends, time away to spend with my sisters and cousins. And I'm not going to take him, right? I'm going to go by myself and I'm going to have a blast being just me with other people. And he respects that and never never tries to, to shut that down, right? You know, I, I, I love that. And I would imagine that's a thing that has helped your relationship stay so strong over the years. Because what I want listeners to take from this are some things that you have done, you and Mike have done, that have made your relationship be so strong. And so, so I really love you know, that you're sharing the respect, the intentional space you each give each other that you don't badmouth each other. I mean, those are all wonderful things, right? And then just the, the the little things that make every day special, being thoughtful, right? Mm-hmm. Every time I pass him, I don't know, I, I like smack his ass or he grabs my <laughs> ass or I, you know, 
will touch his shoulder if I'm leaving the table. He will mm -hmm. thank me every time I make dinner. He will thank me oh, for right. a a lovely and nutritious and delicious meal. I mean, it's, he just, he does. And oh my gosh, he makes me laugh. A lot of people don't know this about my husband because he's very strack and that's a military term for squared away, right? I mean, he, and that's part of what I love about him too. He, he's a rule follower. He always has been. I never had to doubt him, but you know, they, they look at him and some people are like scared because he's a little bit difficult to get to know at first. But once you get to know, oh my gosh, he makes me laugh every single day. He's oh. ridiculous. Whether it's a silly dance he does or whether it's a <laughs> an article that he will read to me and he will substitute words in flawlessly so that I'll say, what? And then he'll laugh at my naivete, at believing that such an article would exist. He used to do that you know, a long time ago. Oh, just God. just funny. Just, you oh, know. I love it. Well, and you're it, funny too. So what? Uh, how great that you both share such a great you know, humor together. I think okay. we're really lucky. I mean, I think there's a lot of luck involved in choosing the right partner. I think there is some luck, right? But mm -hmm. to be to be that self-aware at the age of 20 to make a good choice, I think is pretty special. So, all right, let's segue into da-da-da-da, sex, all right? What's that? And I appreciate it. <laughs> so I would love to know a little about just kind of your relationship with sex, your thoughts about sex. And what I'm curious about is how that may have evolved over time. You know? Okay. All right. Well, well, let's see. When we first started dating, I wanted to jump his bones immediately. <laughs> and I, I wasn't on the pill. I was not taking any birth control because I was a good Catholic girl. And um, he refused. He's like, no, I mean, talk about being responsible. Wow. He held me off. <laughs> so that was, you know, like a check plus. <laughs> really? On him. So then, you know, once we were safe, <laughs> yeah, in the early years, I mean, my gosh, you know, we enjoyed one another quite a bit. And again, when you're first getting to know someone, you're getting to know their body, you're getting to know what they need, what they want a little bit. You don't really talk about it so much when you're young because, well, we right. didn't anyway, because it's kind of like, you know, kind of taboo and you just, you just did it. You just, right. You just, and I think sex. it's so easy when we're young too, right? Yeah. It doesn't, oh yeah. It doesn't take much of a touch to electrify you. Right. 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 And so we were, we were married seven years before we had our first child because again, I was active duty military and we were probably together half the time in different units and mm -hmm. he was deployed and I was deployed and, you know, mm -hmm. would see each other half the time, which in itself keeps things right alive, right? right? Separation makes everything grow fonder. Uh, <laughs> so then, you know, had the first child, had Nicholas when I was in graduate school and then we were separated again, you know, went to West Point where we were stationed for a while, you know, baby two, Jacob comes along. And so, you know, those years were a little hit or miss. You know, when you just have little kids, you're exhausted. And, you know, you, you try to schedule every every once in a while. And then you have the years where the kids are kind of, you know, growing up and in the other rooms. And then you're doing things like, you know, do we need a, a pillow over my face, you know, <laughs> when we're having sex? So, you know, is mommy okay? You know. <laughs> little, little, little voice at the door. <laughs> Mommy fall down. <laughs> and so, 
there you have your challenges, right? Of, you know, still your sexual appetite is, you know, reignited or whatever, but you have these little things <laughs> that you have to think about. So, you know, there are some adjustments and you do what you need to do. And uh, then they grow up and they're living with you and you schedule time for when they're away uh, at school or on a weekend and you send them to the store or something. <laughs> so you were very intentional. It sounds like you deliberately scheduled sex. Right, right, right. And yeah. so then they move away and you're together again, like now, right? Kids are, are out of the house, you're empty nesters. And we both have lots of things that we enjoy doing and hobbies and, and we'll never be bored. E neither right. one of us will ever be bored, which is great. And then it also comes down to like, well, you know, it's the weekend and we've been so busy all week doing whatever and Mike's still working. So usually it'll be a weekend where I'll see a little, a little look, a little look at his eye. A little smile and and i'll know that's like oh okay we can either take a walk or we can take a nap oh that's his way of initiating <laughs> it's just giving you a cute little flirty look it's huh? a, yeah yeah so uh yeah and, and if that doesn't happen and if a week goes by and you know it, it hasn't happened yet for whatever reason it'll you know i might suggest I, I think I think we could use a nap. <laughs> so then you'll initiate too. Well, yeah. Have you always been that way? I or both of us? You. Yeah. Have you always been somebody that can initiate? Uh, maybe not always. I, I think he's, I, I think maybe men in relationships are always more ready than women. I don't know if that's true. Maybe that's something I think you that's might know. Myth, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I, and again, you know, things take, I'm almost 65. So, you know, the engine takes a little longer to heat up. Right. And we like to think of women as slow cookers. Yeah. Right. Men are more microwaves. The women are yes. just, they take a little <laughs> longer to kind of yeah. get there. Yes. And, and, you know, I've okay, but wait. That. Yeah. Wait, but wait. I got to interrupt you because yeah. this is like, blowing me away. How did you get from being a Catholic girl who, you know, I'm sure did not grow up with learning a lot about sex or talking about sex into somebody who is sexually healthy and able to keep sex so alive in her relationship throughout all these life changes and decades and... Well, here, you know, this might surprise listeners. But I'm going to give my parents credit. Uh, again, very, very Catholic. But my gosh, and they're, they're both gone now, but they were still sexually active in their 80s. Yes. So, uh, and you can uh, be. You can yes. be. That's I mean, seriously. Seriously. People to know. Seriously. They were always, always touching, hugging, kissing. Yeah. And my mother would tell us, you know, your children are important, but your husband is more important. Your children, you're going to raise them and they're going to leave and they're going to have their own lives. Mm. But the partner that you choose for life, that, I mean, that's, that's what she wow. tell us. Which, what so, a great message. I think she was forward thinking for her time. And again, yeah, she know, definitely was. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know they weren't just having sex for procreation in their 80s. <laughs> so yeah, I think with that, 
examples, the people who say, oh, I'm, I'm middle-aged now. I don't need it or want it anymore. I mean, that makes me a little sad. Mm-hmm. It is. How, how awesome is it when you, you know, when you're done after your romp in the sheets and ah, it, you right. sleep better, you feel better. Yeah, it's so good for our health. You yeah. know, separate from our relationship, it, it really is good for our physical health. And we do sleep better and we and it's we feel better. But it's also such a special way to connect with your partner. And there's no other way like sex to connect with your partner. Yeah. 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 And we laugh. We laugh a lot, including in bed sometimes. Yeah. Well, because sex should be fun. It, yeah. It sometimes it's fun. ridiculous. Sometimes it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, I love yeah, that. If you could laugh. If you could laugh. That's a good thing. Okay, so how do you make it fun? Oh, how to, oh you're doing little, good. You're not blushing yet. I, I, feel, I feel like a little warm right now. Uh, uh, uh. Well, there are times when when toys can be your friend, mm-hmm. and again, especially especially you know when it takes a little longer to heat up. Yeah, right. I don't have to be too specific here, but no toys. But yeah, are, toys are our friends and. They're called toys because they make sex more fun, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Don't call them tools or gadgets. Toys. <laughs> you know, so right. people, sex becomes not fun. And for some people, sex is not fun because they've had horrible things, traumatic things happen yeah. to them in, yeah. in their past, sexual assault, things like that. But for other people, sex is not fun because they're not connected to their partner or because they're just flat not having sex worth wanting Mm. like a lot of people get in this rut of doing the same thing every time very vanilla sex and it's Mm. typically just a couple kisses very brief clumsy foreplay right to penetration well how is that going to be sex that you're going to say I can't wait to go have fun and romp right. in the sheets with you and have sex when that's right. the kind of sex you're having. Right, right. right? So there are toys, there are, you know, outfits, you know. And especially if sometimes you're not feeling perfect physically, mm. you know, clothing can help with that. Different yes. items can hide things you might not feel great about. Well, so, just like when we dress up into something like maybe a real fancy outfit or a guy puts on a suit and, you know, just, you just feel great about how you look. It's attractive. Yeah. Yeah. It's attractive. I think sexually, when you put on something that makes you feel really good in your body and sexy, then you're going to have more confidence Mm -hmm. in sex. So it it can be a turn on for both partners. Mm -hmm. I think it's trite to say, oh, if you're having trouble with sex, just, you know, buy some lingerie. I think that that is so dismissive of all the the issues that go on in people's relationships. But I think there is truth in that wearing something that that is sexy can help make you feel sexy. Yes. Yes. Because if I'm feeling good about how I look, regardless, I'm going to feel better about making him want me more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and here's here's a little bit of advice to you out there listening. If your partner gives you that little look right after you've had a big meal of like mac and cheese and, and bratwurst, <laughs> you might want to um, wait an hour. 
That's great. <laughs> I'm like, you know, really? Really? Because that happened. I'm like, really? Right now? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, it's hard for some people to say no because then their partner gets rejected. But but you need to it's be not able you. to. It's not you. It's right. You need to be able to say no. I tell women, you have to be able to say no to say yes. But you have to say no. Like if, if you're not in the mood for sex, don't have sex if you're not in the mood. You should never have sex if you don't want to have sex. Okay. It actually kills your sexual desire if you have obligatory sex or something that just annoys me, like birthday sex. Like, why should you have birthday sex? Why do you suddenly deserve sex because it's your birthday, right? Sex is like two people wanting to have sex. Just because it's your birthday doesn't mean your partner is going to want to have sex with you. But that's a whole nother thing, right? But people sometimes will have obligatory sex, like, oh, we haven't had sex in five weeks, four weeks, three weeks. I got to have sex, or he's going to be upset and grumpy. Well, that's his issue, right? And usually when that's the case, there's something wrong with the sex they're having because they're not interested in having sex if it's been a long time, all right? Or they're not making it be a priority in their life. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And thinking about, you know, putting it on a mental or physical calendar, right? I mean, that that's maybe seems too unsexy, right? But sometimes it's it's necessary when you have busy, full, active lives. I, I, yeah, I, so let me say one other thing and then let's get to scheduling sex because that's, you said that a minute ago and I think that's really important. And then you just brought that up again. Okay. When you say no, though, you have to give another option. No, I don't feel like having sex right now because I just had macaroni and bratwurst. <laughs> but maybe if you give me an hour and let my stomach digest, I'll see how I feel at that point. Or, you know, I'm not, and I've kind of got a lot on my mind right now and I'm kind of stressed and I really don't, I'm not in the mood for sex right now. How about tomorrow? Let's plan it for tomorrow at 5 p.m. Because I will be rested. I'll feel a little more in the mood than I am right now. Yeah. So I think scheduling sex is brilliant. And so many people say, oh, but then it's not spontaneous. And I call bullshit on that. Oh, because, right. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when, here's what I always say back to them is, okay, so- like, when's the last time you went out to eat? And they'll tell me. And I'm like, so you went into a restaurant and you like looked at the menu and you ordered your food. Like you planned that whole thing, right? Yeah. And then you planned what you were going to order and they brought you the food. Was it a good meal? Hell oh, yeah, yeah. It was great. I'm like, so that was not spontaneous. Like that you scheduled that, you planned that. Right. So sex is the same way. You can have phenomenal sex when you schedule it. In fact, sometimes I think we've had even better sex when we've scheduled it. Well, yes. And that's an awesome analogy because if you know that tomorrow afternoon or this afternoon at two, we're going to have some fun, then you do little things maybe ahead of time. You look at each other a little differently. You, you give them that little smile. You figure out what you might wear or not wear or you anticipate whether. yeah you anticipate you know and so yeah when it's time it's like yeah yeah so get it on I, I love that you said that because that tells me you have learned this fine art of transitioning your non-sexual laura into sexual laurel that you've learned in your like what things both of you and mike have how do you transition from being just hanging out, doing your thing, your writing to, okay, we're having sex at two. There are things you do to transition yourself so your mind is ready for sex 
at two o'clock. Yeah. Because our mind has to be there. Our right. mind has to be there with our body. And women's to- mind. Women's minds do. I don't think guys' women's, minds do. Women's <laughs> minds. Yes. Women's minds definitely need to. But I guys are just like, show up, show up naked, bring food. <laughs> We're good. That's that meme. <laughs> That's that, that meme. You know, that yeah. women just need to show up, you know, naked yeah. and guys are ready, right? Uh, yeah. There's a popular meme going around social media right now. It's funny. Women yeah. need all these things. Men just need you to show up naked. Right. With food. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah but you've, you've definitely learned how to do that with Mike. Yeah. We've had yeah. a long time to practice. Yeah. Well, and I think in stages of our life, we have to plan sex, whether we've got little kids we're trying to work around. You know, it's nap time, whether it's teenagers that you're trying to have sex when they're out of the house or you're an empty nester and you're still busy doing things. You're both retired, right? Except you're, you're writing. He's, Mike is still working. and Oh, Mike still, is still working. And I'm okay. still writing books. So I guess you're not retired. You're retired from other careers. You're other into, careers. I mean, you're into I'm retired from a paid career. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and that's another thing, too, right? So writing books, and I've got a ton of books out there. I'm not paying any bills with my book writing. I am not. I am not famous yet. Maybe this next novel. And Mike will always say, this is going to be the one. <laughs> this is going to be Aww. the one. And he he senses my frustration. You know, a new book comes out and, you know, maybe, maybe I'll make ends meet on what I might have put out for it. And he said, don't get down. You are providing art to the world. You know, people who... Uh, consume it, love it, and you're doing a good thing and you love doing it. And so keep doing it. Don't worry about having to make money. So, I mean, in many ways, I am extraordinarily fortunate that, I mean, I, I worked forever and then it came to a point mm-hmm. where he said, you don't need to work anymore. Work on your books. So oh, um, what a supportive to, partner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what you're doing is it's your passion. It's a labor of love for you, right? To put out art into the world. I think that's a very selfless thing. It does. It does. Make, I don't think anything is truly selfless because I think even when you do something that you think might be selfless, it makes you feel good. And so, you know, you get, you always get something from doing a selfless act, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll wrap us up soon, but I want to ask one more question about sex. How do you keep yourself interested? Like, what do you do to keep yourself interested in sex? Again, I've I've mentioned this before. Mike is such an inspiration to me because he keeps himself physically fit. And so I want to keep myself physically fit. So when I take better care of myself and feel good, that really helps. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm... constantly in admiration for the man I married. And he he can still wear his West Point full dress uniform. <laughs> <laughs> that, so tells like, me, hmm. that tells me he's really fit. So then what tip or advice would you give to somebody just starting maybe middle age, like right in their 30s, right? Before they even get to middle age about you know, it could be about love. It could be about strengthening your relationship. It could be about sex. Like, what tip would you give someone? I would say, I mean, we we talked about it from the beginning, the respect portion, right? Be always respectful of your partner. You know, that never let anyone question your love for them. Touch, just yeah. connection, that physical connection. I mean, we need... 
We need hugs. I mean, this is actually something that I kind of had to learn. He didn't grow up in a totally nurturing environment where I came from a family up there and five girls in my family. And my parents were always lovey, huggy, touchy. We are a huggy family. And it took a while for Mike to be able to accept that comfortably. So now, you know, he reciprocates. But yeah, just 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 the connection. Touch is so important, whether it's a or whatever. It, it is. And it doesn't have to be sexual touch. No. Non-sexual no, just, touch is so important to us. It, it, it is. It is. You know, I'm here. I know you're there. I like to touch you. <laughs> and, it, and it can be it, something as innocent as you walk by them in the kitchen and you just kind of rub their back or yes, touch their exactly. shoulder. Or, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and being thankful, you know, expressing that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he'll, he'll say, thank you for the nutritious, delicious meal. And I'll say, thank you for making the money so I could <laughs> buy uh-huh. the food to make the meal. You know, it's like, yeah recognizing one another, looking at one another. You know, at a certain point, you maybe might start taking things for granted, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, he'll always be there. I know he loves me kind of thing. But to keep that more active, Mm -hmm. right? To look them in the eyes, to Mm -hmm. smile more, Mm -hmm. touch it, just just all the little things that keep you connected and keep keep that warmth that, you know, can become heat a little, uh, a little later. Those little things are so important. I, I think I could do an entire episode just on the little things that make love grow, right? That, that sustain love across a long-term relationship. So, oh my gosh, Laurel, you are absolutely delightful. And I love your vulnerability and your willingness to share personal stuff about your life with Mike. And I just... I, I'm so appreciative of you being here and grateful just for the the light and joy you put out in the world. Is there any last thing you want to share? Like we didn't talk about your art or anything or what you do. Like I write. I write books. I write books. I write, you know, like I said, I write about life real and imagined. And so, yeah, my, my uh, goal, I guess, is to write in as many genres as I can while I'm still topside. I haven't written porn yet. Maybe we need to do an episode on that. That would be fun. <laughs> well, the erotica is really a big market. Oh, I know. That's probably where I could make some money, but I haven't done that yet. Yeah, you know, er- it, it really is because there are many people that read a lot of romance novels or erotica, and that is their way of getting them turned on. More more women than men, but that is their way of getting turned on. But then they want the romance in their sex that's in these novels. And oftentimes their partner doesn't understand how to do that romance part the way they need it. And they don't have the ability to communicate that. Yeah. But they're not Fabio, you know, they're not. <laughs> that is a huge. Well, I I recently bought your children's book, your new children's book, Quack, for my granddaughter. And she loves it. And I know I have read your puzzle book. You want to tell a little about your puzzle book? Because I thought that was really interesting. That and was, I listened to it on audio, so I got to hear your voice. Too. That was fun. It's it's called Piece by Piece, P-E-A-C-E by P-I-E-C-E, 10 Lessons from a Jigsaw Puzzle. And I co-wrote it with my very best friend in Michigan, Nadine Collier, who is a a um, licensed therapist. And so she is the one who told me after I finished a 2,000-piece puzzle she, and complained the whole time. She said, you should write a book about lessons you learned from the puzzle. And I thought, <laughs> ooh, that could be fun. 
But I'm only going to do it if you help, if you at the end of each of my chapters write a bit about your reflections and questions for reflection. And so we did that together and it was really fun. And of course, Quack is based on my two years of raising ducks here in Colorado, which I don't have them anymore. We ended up donating them to a local uh, family farm. My husband is allergic to duck eggs. Who knew? He can eat everything on the planet, including probably metal, but he can't eat duck eggs. So oh my God. I didn't even know that was an allergy. That, oh my God. Well, we didn't either. <laughs> anyway, oh. that was fun. But yeah, I like to write about whatever motivates and inspires me. And it, you know, again, change. I, I, I'm not stuck in one genre. I, I read multi-genres. And so but I like to write multi-genres. It's just moral. We need to write a book about relationships, about how to keep relationships strong throughout the lifespan. Well, this looks like a to-be-continued episode. I know. Yes, exactly. So thank you so much. And I hope you so have much. a fabulous rest of your day. Well, you know what I'm going to do? And I'm thinking about well, that too. By, by the way, by the way, I'll just put in a plug because I asked you years ago about lube, yeah. what you might recommend, and I think you recommended Uber Lube. Oh, good, because we definitely need a lot more lube as we get older. Things do not get wet instantly like when we were young, and postmenopausal, <laughs> we do need more lube. All these little <laughs> extra tidbits at the end of your episode. Anyway, Good, I was love that was helpful for you. I'll put a link in the show notes to Uber <laughs> okay. too. All right. All right, my dear. It was great chatting with you. Thanks again for everything. You too. Thank you, Dr. Heather England. Loved <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Ciao. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. And if you haven't already subscribed, I would love it if you could subscribe to the podcast and maybe even give it a good rating. The more subscribers and downloads I get, the more likely I'll be able to keep the podcast on the air. And I'm so excited to share this content with people because I know from feedback I've gotten that it's helping a lot of people with their love and sex life. So until next time, remember... Life's too short for bad sex. Thanks again.